0: Can we stand and sing this morning? Now, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. And so we lift up holy hands. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of, why don't we sing it again now with all our hearts. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, he is worthy to be praised and adored, and so we lift our Holy hands in one singing Singing blessed be the name Blessed be the name Blessed be the name of the Lord Amen. We bless His name this morning. Hallelujah. Are you happy to be here? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Just counted a privilege to be with you all, Amen. We welcome you to service, Amen. It's just, it's just wonderful to gather in His name and lift Him up to give Him the glory He deserves, Amen. And that's what I live for. I hope that's your desire, Amen. <clears throat> Why don't we sing that song? Fill my cup, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lifted up, Lord, O come and quen this thirsting of my soul. come fill it up and make me whole again now oh fill my cup Oh, feed me till I walk no more. Here's my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. Once once again now, sing it with me. Oh, fill my cup.
1: God bless you everyone welcome to our service tonight good to have you with us and uh, we welcome you to this broadcast tonight and trust that the Lord will uh, meet with us and speak to us tonight Uh, in the fellowship around his word. It's always uh, nice to be able to pause in the middle of a week. I know that uh, not always the best or easiest environment uh, to worship, but it is, um, I I think, a nice pause in our busyness just to be able to um, look at God's word and study a little bit. And that's what I wanted to do tonight was take a little Uh, Bible study on this topic of uh, uh, positive control and shalom in the home, and uh, we welcome all of you tonight, and I would uh, encourage you that uh, are on our update list, if you are able to open up that uh, email that I sent out this afternoon, or print out those notes, you can use them to follow along, we're going to follow that uh, structure a little bit tonight. And I want to just say this at the outset, uh, that this uh, this is for everyone and I think you'll see the application as we go through it here uh, this evening. So uh, let's give you a couple of prayer requests this evening, and then we're gonna turn to the scripture in Psalms 94. Uh, We're gonna be looking there. First of all, I've been in contact with uh, Brother Matt Cross tonight, and uh, he has his surgery scheduled for 2.30 Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. So he'll be operated on in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. And then uh, he and Sister Melody are going to be there for a couple of days uh, just recuperating and come back on Friday, Lord willing. So uh, tomorrow afternoon, 2.30, and uh, this is an injury that uh, Matt got out there on the, on the slopes and uh, had a ACL that was torn, and uh, they do a simple repair and get that back again, and then uh, he should be on the go pretty soon after that. Uh, We also want to remember Sister Vicki Dunbar uh, up in Beckley, West Virginia. Her oxygen has dropped again, and uh, they're obviously very concerned. So we're just really trusting that the Lord will uh, undertake for our sister. Uh, She's a Christian. She put her life in God's hands a long time ago. I believe it's still there. Uh, God's in control of her life, and uh, we just pray that the Lord will uh, draw near to her by our bedside. We know that God's able we have enough testimonies, and we've seen enough uh, results of prayer that we know that God um, is is able to do that. But the very best thing we can do, because uh, it's it's not within our power to make a change in her life, but uh, just to appeal to God and hold her up before the throne of grace, and um, just ask that God would be merciful to her and to her husband Brother Craig and uh, their daughter Sarah, also as well. Uh, The Clayvilles, Chris and Kasia Clayville are out in Arizona, and uh, we certainly miss them. They're going to be back early next week, and uh, we also want to remember uh, there's a couple of unspoken requests that we have that are uh, of concern. So if you don't mind, uh, let's draw together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity again to be able to gather in your name among your people, Lord, in this unusual way. But Lord, we thank you that we can have this opportunity to study and reflect upon your word in the middle of a very busy week. So we commit our needs to you. We commit these special requests to you, Lord, especially for Sister uh, Dunbar. We hold her up before your throne of mercy, Lord, and just ask that your healing virtue would flow to her. For all those folks, Lord, that uh, are attending to her, may you just guide their hands and give them the right wisdom, Lord, to know how to make the correct decisions and choices. And Heavenly Father, we just commit her into your hands now. We just uh, pray also for Brother Matt and ask you Lord just to undertake for him and ask that you would be gracious in helping him get through that surgery without any problems, Lord. And may you just bind up his wounds and give him complete healing and we commit him into your care. Heavenly Father, we uh, pray for uh, Brother Mike and Sister Tracy Holloway as well, Lord. uh, their needs, we commit them to you and ask in the name of Jesus that you would be gracious to them. Father, all those that are traveling in a way, we commit to you and everyone, Lord, is in the medical field, everyone, Lord, who's a caregiver, all of those folks, Lord, who are looking after others and extending themselves, we ask your blessing upon them. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I would just ask you to remember uh, Sister Tracy Holloway and uh just trusting that the lord will uh undertake for her uh she tested positive for the virus last friday and uh it's postponed brother mike's uh procedure date in the hospital Uh, so if you don't mind just remembering uh them in prayer today brother mike is is feeling good but uh sister tracy's dealing with the virus for a few days and so we just certainly want to hold her up in prayer and, and uh, trust that the Lord will give her strength. Um, let's just jump right in. Uh, and I want to, I want I, I, I guess, continue on this subject of stepping into the waters. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just explain it this way, that uh, it's just kind of taken me all over the map. And uh, as I look at some of the uh, issues that have come up in relation to this idea of uh, you know, shedding or getting rid of things that we really don't want to take across the river, um, it is or take with us when we go into eternity. It uh, just seems like uh, the Holy Spirit has broadened this subject for me, at least, and I I, I trust it's in some way helpful uh, helpful for you in in discussing this in this way. And we talked about the elements of control and the the fact that God is in control, and number two that. Uh, We have a limited amount of self-control in our life, which is a gift of God or a fruit of the Spirit. And then uh, thirdly, there's an unhealthy kind of control. And uh, we're not called to be dictators, we're not called to be overlords over somebody, and uh, we're to deal with kindness and mercy and grace uh, in all of our affairs in life. And as Christians, that should be something that's characteristic of us. And as we look at this uh the right i want to focus a little bit on the right kind of control and the right kind of things that we want to see in our lives and so i thought we would start in a good place and that is in our home because we want to as parents especially and as grandparents we want to exercise the right sort of control and discipline within our house and among those we have responsibility for but also uh, we really want to be an example, and and we want to learn how does you know how does God deal with us? Uh, we want to learn how does uh, uh, how is the best way I can be an example to my my family because uh, God put my family together for a reason, and He wants my children to learn from me. He wants my grandchildren uh, to learn from me. And there's many things as we grow in the Lord, as many things that we can share with other people, and so um, we we want to exhibit. Uh, number one, a control in our own lives. But number two, we want to be an example and a witness to those that come behind us uh, so that they can in turn exercise control in their own family. So I I trust that my sons uh, who have watched me over the years, uh, they will have learned some of the right ways to deal with the crisis that arise in your in your life and some of the problems that deal in your life and uh, you know some of the things that that go wrong because hey we live in a fallen world and things do go wrong so I'm, I'm trusting that they've learned some things some skills about uh, this whole subject of exercising the right kind of control in the home and I think this is kind of a good place to start we could talk about. You know, control in the nation, control in the church and control in the ministry and uh, different things and control in our personal lives. I think it's a very important thing. And um, Lord willing, we'll, we'll get to it. Let me drop in one more thing, though. I want to say this, that I think it's, um, I, I, I feel a sense of urgency because um, there are, there are laws being changed and things being introduced in our country at the moment that are going to limit the amount of freedom we have to speak about these things in such a way as we will tonight. When it comes to discipline, when it comes to uh, you know, the, the discipline that we need to exercise with our children. Uh, I don't think those things will always be popular and I don't think it'll always be possible for us to uh, maybe say what we want to say over the waves. And uh, I might be a little extreme in that, but I, I just feel like there's an urgency for us to talk about some of these things here so we can put them on the table and we can discuss them in a free way at the moment. Um, I'll guarantee you there are, there are things changing and I will guarantee you that there's a lot of people wasting a lot of time on issues that don't matter. Uh, they are, there are some very important things that are happening and they're happening very quietly and behind the scenes. And uh, I think it's an important uh, thing for us to pay attention to the word of God and what, what God would have us to know and do and uh, to be applying what it is that we are hearing. Now, in Psalms 94, verse 12, I'd like to read just one verse there tonight as we begin. Uh, the Bible says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, teachest and teachest him out of thy law. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. A man is blessed when he's taught by God. A man is blessed even though chastening is not always joyous when we go through it. Uh, there is always um, a a blessing in the way that God teaches us and the learning experiences that we have. And so um, we we are blessed to be uh, attended to by Almighty God and uh, the tutor, the Holy Spirit, who is interested in making sure that we don't continue in wrong attitudes and wrong ideas, but uh, rather helps us to be able to see things in a way that is in harmony with the way he sees them. And so uh, that's what I wanna focus on tonight. And I just trust that uh, as we look at this, you'll see some things that are practical uh, for you to deal with as well. Now, uh, I wanna say this, that when the right right message came to us, uh, a right response opens up certain things for us uh, that release things to uh, uh, an individual or a family. Uh, there are things that are uh, accessible to us, th- things that relate to knowing how to forgive and knowing how to humble ourselves and knowing how to let go of something when, uh, when the trouble is passed. Uh there are, there are a lot of uh, good teachings in the scripture that help us to uh, act in a mature way among one another. And to be able to have the kind of respect that we should have towards one another, and a lot of that comes because we have the right response to the message that God has sent. And as you as you respond correctly, the Holy Spirit adds more, because this is not about just a list of do's and don'ts. And you know, we pay our tithes here, we eat the potluck here, we uh, read our Bible this hour of the day. Uh, let me tell you, this this message is intended to prepare you for a, an eternal kingdom and to be able to meet the savior uh, as bridegroom and to be able to live forever. And there were many things that we could not really understand or see uh, when we looked at this through the Old Testament view, because the Old Testament view, uh, it really exposed the lack of revelation and the lack of application of the word in our lives. It was a list of commandments. It was a a list of of thou shalt and thou shalt not. And it exposed that lack of application in our lives. And I would say this today that I believe that grace stepped in and provided what we have need of because now we don't live to find favor with God. We live because we are in favor with God. We live a certain way because we are in favor with God. We, We do not live... In a righteous way to earn points with God or to gain favor with Him, we are already accepted in the beloved, the Bible says. But now we live the way we do because we are in harmony with God and because we are in favor with God. And so. Uh, The Holy Spirit doesn't require us to come up with a pattern of life that is, uh, you know, more acceptable than the world's way of thinking. He's he's not asking us to do that. He's already given us his word. He's already given us the the parameters and the boundaries. And that's what that's the way that he wants us to live. And we want to live in a way that that makes the word of God applicable right now. And and that's what's important for us, is to live in a way that's pleasing to him. Lord, show me what your word says. Show me what your word means. And then let me apply that in my life. And let me apply that in whatever role you've called me to be. If it's a father or a mother or a grandfather, whatever way you've called me to live, I want to live and reflect what it is that's in your mind about uh, a father, or a mother, or a pastor, or uh, you know, uh, uh, in my occupation, and, and I want to live that way. But but we are depending on God to show us. And when the right revelation comes, you respond to it as you embrace the Word of God, and uh, God honors us for that. Okay, so let's jump into it here, and you can use your sheet now as your guideline because we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and I started out in writing it this way: discipline can be a a vague concept if you're lost in the landscape of opinions out there about what it is. If you ask 100 people, you're going to get 100 uh, different answers, kind of like the IRS. Uh, But the good news is is that the the scripture is very specific, okay? And so as we look in Hebrews chapter 12, it gives us some really good instruction here. Hebrews 12 and verse 4, ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten. The exhortation which speaketh unto you is unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he chasteneth, whom he receiveth, I'm sorry. So I need you to stop for a moment and just say this, that um, this this is really quite applicable for all of us. And I think you'll uh, recognize that as we go along here. So whether you have little kids, or whether you be like uh, the Nengamaza family, for instance, and you got a newborn, you're just starting on the road to uh, to parenthood. Uh, everything begins to change in a way that is new. Or uh, you know, your your um, uh, I know brother Joe and sister Lisa are listening tonight, and you know they've got one left at home. We've got one left at home, and uh, you know, just looking at that uh, at, at that season of life where now we probably have more influence over our grandchildren and uh, then some of you, uh, you know, or in that August season of life. I think there's, there's principles here that we can apply uh, no matter where we are. So let's just jump down here to number one. The first thing that we want to talk about is the necessity of discipline. And really the whole intent of d- discipline is to deter destruction. We want to point somebody away from destruction. When we know that they're moving in a bad direction and when we know when they're moving in a a negative direction, we want to intervene. And when you begin to think about intervening in someone's life, it's not always very popular, even if it's a a five-year-old child. uh, When they're intent on doing something and you're intervening and saying, no, you can't, uh, and the message becomes very clear that they cannot do that. Their intent is wrong. Uh, the way they're going about it is wrong, that's not always a popular thing. And so it's a, um, it's a very important thing as we begin to uh, you know, introduce discipline into the lives of our children that we had to be prepared for the consequences that that's, always, that's not always going to make it popular. Uh, I was reading today about how Jesus went into the temple and turned over the tables of the money changers and and disrupted the whole financial system that had been built around the offerings in the temple. And that's not what the house of God was meant for. That's not, that, that was a, a perversion of what God intended. And Jesus confronted that and wanted to bring it back to where things should be. Uh, there was nothing wrong with the temple. There's nothing wrong with the offerings, but what they had turned it into was very wrong, and Jesus confronted that. You're not going to go forward and do this anymore. It did not make him uh, the most popular among the the disciples or the uh, the Pharisees and the religious people of that day and all the business people of that day and the money that was flowing into the church coffers there. Uh, He came in direct contrast to that. Whenever you introduce discipline into a situation, uh, it, it is intended to Deter destruction to keep somebody from uh, harm in some way, but at the moment it does not always. Uh, it is not always a popular thing, and so therefore, when your child is is heading in the wrong direction and you slam on the brakes, uh, you put up a barrier, and your children will be mad for a moment, but down the road they'll thank you for it, and I'll guarantee you that that's true. Now. Let's let's take a, a, a look back if you if you don't mind. I'm, I'm going back to Hebrews chapter 10, and just as a preamble to Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, so back in chapter 10, Paul goes through a, a very classic teaching about Old Testament sacrifices and how they were reflecting something greater to come. Uh, we know that the blood of animals was not not the real thing. It was a foreshadow. It was the type of what was to come. And uh, in in chapter 10, verse 6, Paul writes, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. And this was not what God fully intended, but he was pointing to something else. And uh in verse nine, it says, "Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God." And He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. So we can find lots of different, uh, lots of different things that are important here for uh, for us to recognize that in in the way that God deals with us as individuals, He takes away that first nature. He takes away that uh, that that uh, nature you're born in that He might replace it with His own life in our lives, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Look, in the Old Testament, they sanctified the altar, they sanctified the priests, they sanctified the vestments, they sanctified all the trappings of the altar, they sprinkled blood on everything. And now here's Paul saying that we are sanctified as individuals now. This sanctification goes on internally, not externally. It's not somebody sprinkling blood on you but now it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And and in verse 15, wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after these days. So now Paul says that this is not just an external religious experience now, but it's the Holy Spirit working on the inside. In 17, and their sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more. A man is completely separated from his sin, He's considered sinless. He's considered justified as though he never sinned in the first place. And, and Paul calls this in verse 20, a new and living way. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he made for us, he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh and, and having an high priest over the house of God. Now he starts to give us instruction. He says, now let's draw near uh, to God with a true heart, full assurance of faith, heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You just don't find that in the Old Testament because they offered the blood of a substitute to cover their sin, but their sinfulness remained. And now Paul is talking about a new and living way, taking away the first, replacing it with a better way. And now it's the life of Christ that's inside, expressing itself uh, towards one another, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We should be coming together uh, so that we are able to enjoy the fellowship of his presence. And all the way down to the end of the chapter in verse 38, and he says, Now the just shall live by faith, and if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them. Who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. So Paul says, if God's given you this, don't draw back, but go forward now and go forward in faith and go forward in boldness and go forward all the way because God's going to take you all the way on to perfection. Chapter 11 highlights all of those individuals who walked in faith, even to the place of sacrificing their life, their physical life. And he, he lists all the heroes of the faith and many, many more that are not listed there all the way down through and uh, talks about those, those saints that did not draw back. They did not fade back when trouble came. They did not uh, become discouraged to the point of quitting when troubles arose. Uh, they, they, they subdued kingdoms, they, uh, they quenched the violence of fire, they escaped the sword. They, they did many wonderful exploits for God uh, because they kept on and they pressed on. In verse 12, Paul says, Uh, In verse 1, wherefore also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. It's not now your determination here, but rather this is uh, Christ in you, as we mentioned in chapter 10. He's taken away the first nature, put in the nature of God. He's birthed something in you that now is able to manifest the character of Christ, and We are able now to uh, be sanctified from the inside out, to live a pure life, to have a pure heart, to have a true faith, and to exhort one another, to love one another, to forgive one another. Paul says, hey, now's your time, and God's put that in you so you can live this life now, looking unto verse 2, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So this is now uh, us under the tutorship and the teaching of the Holy Spirit to reflect Christ on earth in me, and that's exactly what this is about. But as we go through this process, Paul likens us, especially in the beginning, to to children or those who are growing and need to learn. And and this is the context of his teaching in chapter four, and sorry, chapter twelve, beginning at verse four. And Paul is drawing from some Old Testament uh, Old Testament principles here. All right, let's look at the, the next paragraph here on your sheet. Many parents are afraid of making their children mad. That is really true. That is sadly very true. I watch people and they try to appease their children and try to uh, you know, compliment them to death. Uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with compliments, but um, you know if a child is doing a bunch of things that are absolutely irresponsible, um, we don't want to compliment them on the one thing that they are doing right and exclude any correction for the things they're doing wrong. I remember the first time one of mine stuck out his lip and said, "I don't love you anymore." My first thought th- you, you naturally would think. And a woman would even think this more frequently, boy, I never want to be that hard on on them again. But what you're doing is empowering your child to tell you how to react. And you don't want to give that power to your five-year-old or to your child at all. The better response is to grit your teeth, bear the anger of that child, because it's better to make them frown than to let them rush towards destruction. The frown doesn't last forever. Destruction, however, just might. So real, true, real, true discipline is always with the intent of seeking the child's best interests. It is an expression of love, even if it's painful discipline. And a mature parent is called upon uh, to withstand the anger of their child and say, you may not understand now and you may not agree now, and this may not feel very good now, and it hurts temporarily. But I will tell you that uh, your welfare is at stake here, and in, in time, you'll see the benefit of taking this disciplinary action. Now, you're going to have to say that to your kids in a special way, for sure. But I will tell you that uh, they will break your heart in sometimes how they react. Uh, I had one uh, one of my boys who every time we would get mad and they knew, you know, children know when you're just uh, mad because you got to be mad or when you're really downright uh, angry at this at this behavior and there's you know there's trouble here and i had one boy who (laughs) had one boy whenever i would confront him face to face and this was a serious matter he would shiver he would just quiver and uh i won't identify who it is but um It was really, really hard for me to keep a straight face when they would start quivering because it was completely out of control. And I had to to maintain the seriousness of the moment. Uh, But I'll tell you, it was a challenge. And uh, I I, I don't know if he still does it because I haven't gotten mad at him for a while. Uh, But if I I do, I'll let you know. Barbara Bush made this uh, statement in 1990 and she said, mothers and fathers, if you have children." they must come first. In other words, you have a responsibility to your children, not to your job and your careers and your hobbies and all of that. Our success as a country and your success as a family depends not on what happens in the White House, but what happens in your house. You have a responsibility as parents to, to, take, a, to take that position of responsibility. And you cannot abnegate it. You cannot give it away to the school, to the government, to the church, to the Sunday school teacher. You can't do that. God has given you those children and God has put you as a family together. He stitched that family together. You have to take responsibility and to make sure that uh, the right things happen in your home. And uh, this uh, I, I love the statement that she made uh, many years ago. Now. Let's look at this important point here, that there's a means of discipline, and we find this in verse 5, where uh, Paul says, ye have, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. That is Proverbs uh, chapter 3, and you'll find it in verse 11, where Paul is directly quoting out of the Old Testament here. And the two Hebrew words there is you have forgotten the uh, chastening of the Lord, which is the word for discipline. Uh, It's the Hebrew word Yasar, which means actions and then the word rebuke or the chastening of the Lord, which is the words and that's the word Yakah in the Hebrew. So. This is the way that God deals with us, not only with words, but with actions. And it's not only with actions, but it's also with words. Because to discipline anyone is to uh, give them an understanding or an education in what is right. We're not only correcting what's wrong. We're not just being critical of the thing that's wrong, but we're making sure we instill the principle of what's right and what's pleasing to God. And that's important for us to include whenever we exercise discipline. But when we look at God and how he did things, uh, he, he often dealt with the children of Israel uh, with not only words, but with, uh, with actions as well. So I could think of many examples, but you remember when David uh, committed the sin with Bathsheba and he had a child who died. And before the child died, Nathan came to him and uh, exposed the sin and uh, David repented. And God had spoken very directly to David and said, uh, thou art the man who's guilty, who's taken you know, that, that man's sheep in the, in the illustration that Nathan used. <clears throat> and so God was very faithful in explaining to David his wrong. And David was smitten at heart. He knew that he was wrong. And I mean, that was a terrible thing for David to experience, to know that uh, God had um, you know, uh, exposed it so clearly in David's life. But then there was a consequence as well, the baby died. So it was not just words alone, but there was an action to it as well. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that, uh, be not deceived, for God is not mocked, a man shall reap what he sows. And and so there are physical consequences for uh, disobedience, and there's also the learning part that goes on. and. It's it's a, a really really important principle when we when we think about discipline uh, that we do not lose sight of the words or lose heart at the words of God's rebuke, but there also is with that coupled with that uh, the the actions that God will bring into our life and the consequences to help us learn because there's no there's absolutely no teacher like pain. And as parents, we are to discipline in, in a way that uh, would be, would be important to teach and to employ actions and words in that discipline. All right, now we're not, and let me, let me say this carefully. We're not called to cause pain, but we are to correct uh, a, a situation and to do it in a way that's appropriate. And age-appropriate. Brother Brandon makes a statement in Way to Have Fellowship in 1955. He said, God gave you that child, and it's what he's referring to as, as, as his children, uh, and, and you can go back and look at the whole context of the quote there. God gave you that as a treasure, raise it right. Notice what's the matter. He said, we get away from the things of God, you get away from nature, then you're out of the will of God. And you can you can see how in our world today, that there's a lot of things that are being introduced and a lot of things have come across as fact or good good teaching, uh, which are absolutely ridiculous. They're contrary to common sense and are contrary to the nature of of a uh, a boy and a girl. Uh, It's just absolutely a shame to to see uh, how twisted the, the teaching is on on what's appropriate, uh, you know, for uh, for for discipline in the schools and discipline in the home. And hey, there's a lot of children know that they can get away with whatever they want? Nobody's going to touch them. Nobody's going to do a thing. And you can sit there and lecture them all day long. It Doesn't change a thing. There has to be there has to be the combination of the words and the actions, the teaching, and the consequences that come with with discipline. Brother Graham says, "You get away from nature, you get out of the will of God." But then he adds this other little line here, and I got to throw this in. The first thing is the parent come back to God. You will never fool your kids if you're doing something that you're trying to correct your kids for. If, if for instance, you're smoking a cigarette and you're trying to tell your kids about the evils of smoking and trying to discourage them from smoking, uh, all your kid will ever see is a cigarette in your mouth. They don't hear a thing. Brother Branham says the first thing is that a parent has to come back to God. The greatest and strongest example that you can provide for your children is when you begin to line up with the principles of the Word of God and obey them at at heart uh, whenever there's any, any consequence removed. In other words, there's no controls there, but a person is just living for God the way that he should. That's a great and a strong example to your children. And I will guarantee you that children are keen observers of what their parents do and they rarely miss things that their children do. Uh, When you maybe use certain language or you react in a certain way or you say things out of anger or whatever else that goes on, children record, they acknowledge, they see uh, many things that their parents do and uh, it's really hard uh, for you to lead the children in in, in the right way without giving them the right example. And the way you do that is that you as a parent come back to God. So let me say this. If you cannot forgive as a parent, if you cannot forgive somebody, don't expect your children to forgive somebody. If you have a kind of a, um, a mouthy belligerent way of dealing with people and everybody's wrong, but you don't expect your children to not have that same approach to other people who disagree with them. You'll find that that's the way they've learned to respond to people. And it's a very hard thing to go up to somebody and explain that to them. Uh, I, uh, I, I will just say this. We thank God for his word and we preach it in season and out of season. Trusting that the Holy Spirit will quicken it in the hearts of everyone who hears. Because what we want to do is let the Holy Spirit take that word and apply it in our own lives. Many times if we give correction to people and say, you're belligerent, you're mouthy, you're arrogant, you're, uh, you're a know-it-all, uh, somebody's immediately going to get defensive if you tell them that they're that way. But the Holy Spirit has ways of convicting our heart, and, and he can do it very often in a much better way. But the responsibility first is not for you to get your children in order. The responsibility first is for you as a parent to come back to God, do things God's way. And you should ask the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, is there an attitude in me that if it's mimicked by my children will cause them problems in life? And you may be surprised at the answer. If you're the type of person that has no patience with anybody else, it's a hard thing for your children not to show impatience with people as well. You want to raise your children, right? That's what Brother Ram tells us here, you, God's given you a treasure, raise it right. You're dealing with a potential, you're dealing with a, a life that's not yet lived and there is so much potential there, and they are to be shaped and raised in the image of God, not in the image of the world, not even in your image, even though they have natural characteristics of the parents, but we are to raise them in the in the fear and admonition of the Lord to reflect the image of God, and that potential is there. In order In order for you to do that, you have to come back to God yourself. Number three, the motive in discipline is to express love. Love cares about where a child is going. This is really interesting. I found that when when they interviewed uh, juvenile delinquents in a research uh, program, they asked them uh, how they knew their parents' feelings were towards them. How do you know how your parents feel? And almost every one of them said that a lack of discipline in their home was a sign that their parents didn't love them. Let me say it again. Juvenile delinquents, they knew how their parents felt about them because they said a lack of discipline in their home was a sign that their parents didn't love them. They just didn't care. So we'll say um, we you know we, we'll often give our uh, uh, kids you know we're, we're, we're doing the right thing when we say to them, well I'll give you another chance or I'll count to three and uh, you count to three and then you say I'll, I'll do it again one and, and you start to count again to three. Well I'm going to go to 10. And we feel like we're doing our kids a favor. You're not at all. you're only delaying you're only delaying uh, the, the right thing and uh, putting the right thing off farther away. Let me tell you, if you're gonna draw a line in the sand and count to three, then you should count to three or don't count at all. When God gave Moses the 10 commandments, they were commandments. They were not suggestions or they were not uh, good ideas. They were commandments. When God says the word commandments, then it means that there's a consequence when you violate that commandment. And so therefore, What we really are doing with our children is setting boundaries to let our children know where they can operate. And I will guarantee you that children love to have boundaries. They love to know where they are. One of the most powerful ways that you can love your child is to be consistent in discipline. And that's really hard because we're inclined to do whatever we can to keep our kids friendly. And then discipline is actually much more difficult when when you strive to just be your your best buddy to your five year old. it, it is it is much more important for you to uh, to hold that boundary line where it needs to be, where it reasonably needs to be, and it it, it is it is obviously appropriate that you can uh, listen to your children when they suggest moving the boundary line. When uh, you know sometimes my boys would say to me, "Dad, I think we should be allowed to do this, or I think we should have a little bit more freedom to do this or that," and uh, when we uh, when we sit down and reasonably discuss things, you know what? There, there, there might be a time when we can move that boundary and agree together that that's where we're going to do it. But. All through life, we have boundaries. All I mean, everything from speed limits to uh, tax deadline to uh, you know responsibilities on your job, and your employer sets the boundaries and say, "This is where I want you to operate. This is what I want you to do, and I don't want you to take over the uh, the, the CEO's job. I want you to do your job, and it's within this boundary right here." And I think that's a very important thing for us now. You, you know, you're you're not going to deal with a nine year old the same way you're going to deal with a nineteen year old. It's important for us to make sure that the boundaries that we set are age appropriate. And I found that, you know, when kids get over 10, 11, 12 years old, spanking them and being physical with them uh, very often becomes less effective. They, they actually, uh, you can spawn rebellion uh, as you uh, mis misapply uh, discipline after a certain age, but there are more effective ways to deal with your children. But I will tell you that one of the things that you're, you're you're doing when when we talk about this idea of expressing love is to build a relationship with your child over time that you can eventually fully enjoy as adults. Not so much as children, but as adults. Because when you physically lose the, the opportunity for physical discipline, when you lose that or when that window is closing your relationship very often will save you that ability to be able to sit down and talk to talk to one another i know with my guys very often i i really enjoy the opportunity to sit down one on one and talk to them and and maybe at bedtime or maybe we're driving somewhere or doing something together and you know got an activity or fishing or you know out playing or in the workshop or something like that. And, you know, you get a chance to talk about stuff and, and just one-on-one. And in those teachable moments, uh, you can sometimes get much more accomplished than you will when you're trying to impose things on somebody and they're reasonably old enough to talk about it. Children watch your behavior. They watch the level of respect you have for them. And I'm I'm thinking, you know, if you've got teenagers and your teenagers are smart, and listen to this, if your teenagers are smart enough to make a real good argument and you look at that and say, wow, you know what? That's my teenager, so they must be right. Just like the internet, it must be right. And therefore, who they're talking about must be wrong. And when we when we don't have a real good sense of interplay with our teenagers and helping them to look at a situation another way, then we just take their argument at face value and we'll defend them even when they're wrong. And that's a dangerous thing because then your teenager feels like they can say whatever they want to whoever they want, trample over some of these feelings and they have no sense of how this might feel if this was them. Because we want our teenagers, especially, to learn what would it be like if I was treated this way, if I acted this way to you, how would you feel about this? And sometimes having the perspective of the other side of the argument can really be effective. Um, you know, you might have a teenager, and they might be offended by something that was said, something that happened at church, or something that happened, you know, in an outing or something, and they might come home offended. And they'll tell you all about it. They'll cry on your shoulder. And you know what? There might be a lot of truth to it. But when we blindly take that side of it and just what it is that's said, because, hey, let's be honest, every one of us can tell a story one way. We're good at telling stories in ways that make us look good and make us look justified. But always, in all my years of living on this earth, I've found that every single slice of bread I've ever picked up had two sides. And I've learned that in dealing with people, when there's problems with people, there's always another side of this story. There's always another way to look at it. And I found it's always, always more effective to, to, to practice looking at both sides and trying to understand what's really happening here. Not that your teenager might be telling you an untruth, but it's good to look at both sides. When we look at both sides, we're able to help them navigate through this and say, yeah, you know what, you have a point, but there's also this thing here too that you might want to look at, look at, you might want to think about this. So before we chop that person up into little bits and feed into the sharks, let's just think about how we may have reacted differently. Let's think about what we did that may have caused this. And as an adult in conversation, you can, enter into that world a little bit and help them navigate through this so that they don't always feel like a victim because a victim always feels like they're in a corner, always feel that like they got to lash out and that's not a real good way to make friends. So I find that when it comes to dealing with, with the, the kids, the, the role, the role of a disciplinarian is much simpler. It's much more black and white. But as kids get old, and we teach them to think, we teach them the reason about things, and they interact with others, we, we have to teach them some of the skills they need to use in order to get along with people, because that's what life's about. Everyone doesn't always agree. And to go the extra step here now, and to forgive, even when you may have been hurt, even when you may have been offended, and to forgive. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to teach your children. You'll never teach it unless you model it, but it is a good thing to teach your children. The goal of discipline, obviously, is to teach obedience, number four. And when you teach your children submission, and submission to the principle that is right just because it's right then you're moving away from the point where they say, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. So if we remove the the pressure, if we remove the regulation and the behavior remains, you've done it right. When you teach your children correctly, and, and think about this, the Holy Spirit has a way of teaching us. So that, I mean, it comes to the place where You're not intimidated, you're not afraid, but the Holy Spirit teaches you the right way. He teaches you his way. And when you begin to operate his way without regulation, without threat of punishment, without threat of excommunication, and the behavior remains, the proper behavior remains, my goodness, that is a victory. That's what the Holy Spirit's after. He wants you to conduct yourself like a son or daughter of God, without him holding a uh, a rod over your head and threatening you with something he wants you to just live this out it's a discipline of the will and you, you you remember like Samson and and I mean Samson's a great example because uh you know he he in in the beginning he did things only because he wanted to uh you know it was it was a it was the way. I mean, it was what was requir- required of him as a judge. It was it was th- that anointing that came upon him. And he knew how to keep it. I'm just doing this because I know how to keep the anointing. And he never gave away the secret of his strength. And he kept it. But I don't believe that it was always, in in a sense, with the right motive. But think about this. When when all the things happened to Samson and he, and he lost his strength, and then God began to deal with his heart, Lost his eyes, held captive, and and at the end of his life, he's just he's just so determined to do the thing because he he knows it's right. He knows it's God dealing with him, and he he's got his will is bent towards God. It it's a beautiful thing. It it's it's not beautiful to see, uh, you know, uh, all the things that a person will go through, but it is a beautiful thing to see somebody whose will is bent to the will of God. And my goodness, when it comes to to children, early in life, they don't understand that early in life, they need to be handheld early in life. They need to be taught that there is a boundary, there's a box, there is a safe place. And we're going to define it just, you know, uh, to make things very clear. But the goal really is this. If I took away the box, would you still act the way that is right? If I took away the invisible fence, would your dog still stay inside? Sorry for the analogy. But if we took away the consequence of misbehavior, would our will bend to the will of God? And I will tell you, when you do that, God must smile. The result of discipline number five, and the last thing I want to say, is that there is short-term pain but long-term gain when it comes to the results of discipline. And many times, we don't discipline our kids consistently, or as long as we say, because it involves a short-term disruption. In other words, if you don't apologize to your sister, then we're not going to the church picnic. We're not going to do it. And if that child digs in and does not uh, does not repent. It's a disruption because now you're going to make a decision. Are we going to forfeit the church picnic and you're going to miss, I'm going to miss, we'll let the rest of the family go and when we get there uh, or whoever gets there from the family, everybody's going to say, well, we're so-and-so and now we have an embarrassment to deal with. But you know what? That's short-term pain to teach a long-term lesson. But if you say, uh If you don't, uh, if you don't apologize to your sister, then we're not going to go to the church picnic. All right. Well, because it's a church picnic, we're going to go to the church picnic. But afterwards you have to repent before your sister. You have to say you're sorry. Then what you're telling your children is that, you know what? These boundaries are pretty flexible and we can move them all over the place. And we're not willing to experience inconvenience or disruption in the schedule or pain in order to teach long-term lessons. We're sympathetic to their feelings, we're also sympathetic to our own. And I believe it's important for us to understand that this is not really a pleasant thing to talk about. It's an inconvenience, but there's a process involved. And what you're trying to do is to uh, instill a sense of righteousness and the sense of discipline that's required in order to see something through. It is important for us when you make a statement to a child that uh, it's carried through because children, they never seem to miss. They never seem to miss the inconsistencies. Here's what Brother Bram said in Divine Healing, 1954. He said, now you notice those people who sit there and they say, well, I accept the Lord. You take their word for it. I can't judge. He said, God does. But in 10 years from now, they've never progressed a bit just staying right there in the same old place. He said, we grow daily. And when a birth is on the inside, shouldn't it grow? Just like in the natural, the Christ in your heart ought to be growing daily, getting bigger, more powerful, understanding things better, forgiving and walking on as God would. Till Christ be formed in you, the hope of glory. Walking as God would till Christ be formed in you, the hope of glory. That's the goal. And it is it is an, it is the result of an encounter with God that allows God the access to do certain things in your life that you ordinarily would not do. And it'll cause growth. It'll cause a maturing. Now, remember, all growth invites pruning. And so the, the husbandman or the, the tutor is always noticing growth so that he can notice a time for pruning so that we can notice more growth. And your spiritual growth is at the center of God's plan for your life. He's not so much interested in your riches. He's not so much interested in your uh, possessions. He's interested more in your character and more in your spiritual growth. And Brother Branham tells us that, that should be changing constantly and consistently. All right, here's Brother Bram now in Micah the Prophet. And he talks about his um, wife and how she dealt with Billy Paul over the years. And, uh, you know, she was better to him than his mother. You can read the whole quote there and you'd take time. And uh, he said, she ought to have done a little bit more. He's talking about the physical discipline, the spanking. He said, and it may, may have been different. She left it all up to me. And some people say they don't believe in spanking them. But you know what the scripture says? If you spare the rod, you'll spoil the son and the daughter. So I believe in correcting children and making them mind. And if we had more of that, we wouldn't have as much juvenile delinquency. I think it's really a shame. To see the number of kids that grow up today who don't care. They don't care because they've never been really taught respect. Respect for things that are uh, holy, respect for things that are lawful, uh, respectful for things that are others. I I, I think it's a shame that we have a whole generation growing up and their whole focus is themselves, and they really don't care. Uh, As long as they have their phone, as long as they have their friends, as long as they have their vehicle and a job, uh, many kids are uh, raised to think, hey, really doesn't matter what other people uh, go through. I think that's why it's uh, an important thing that our, our kids get exposure uh, and they get, they get taught that other people matter and uh, what we say matters and what we do to other people matters and how we can trample over someone's feelings and, and do it so flippantly and so easily. Hey, it matters. And I will tell you that you'll reap what you sow. So it's important. And I think it's important for kids to learn how to forgive, how to forgive from their heart and let go and not just shoot a text here and there, but uh, you know, or uh, send a smiley face. I I think that that there's nothing like a one-on-one interaction between two people who have possibly there's an offense there. There's no text going to make that right. You need to sit down together to make things right. You need to communicate together to make things right. I think, it's a sh- I think we are missing the point when we try to resolve differences by texting. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's sensible. The offenses very often are committed in person. I think they should be corrected in person. Anyway, let me go on. Brother Branham gives an extreme example here. And <laughs> this is this is something, I mean, everyone's righteous indignation be stirred up over this one. Brother Branham went to visit uh, a woman a little while ago. She was sick and in comes a little junior, little Oswald. And he walked in and he said, Mammy, ain't you got my dinner ready yet? This is the message making the valley full of ditches. And she said, Sonny, I've been so sick. This is Brother Branham. And he said, well, ain't you got some dinner ready for me?" And she said, I've been real sick. And he said, that's no excuse. And she said, well, there's an orange. And he took it and looked at it and he said, that's all you can do blankety blank and threw it against the wall and juice ran all over the place. And he said, Junior, she said, behave yourself. And he kicked over something and walked out. And I looked down at the mother and I thought, lady, now this word takes a lot of grace not to say anything. Brother Bram says, lady, you just give me the privilege for a few minutes and I'll make him think different from that next time he comes in the house. And Brother Bram said, oh, how we let down. He said, you're too good to kids nowadays. And that's what he means there. Not that that's uh, a good way to treat the child who acts like this, but he says, we baby them and you can't go beyond the Bible. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That's right. Pop used to take the old gun stick. And brother, I got the education with that thing. He didn't make me walk around. He's in the grave. He's He didn't make me walk around him. He's in the grave tonight. When I looked upon him when he was laying there, the black locks laying there, I thought every one of them how I honored every whipping I, got, I ever got. I never got half enough. And he's my daddy. And I loved him because he tried to make me do right. He was determined that I would do right. Brother Ram's dad didn't always do right but he must have instilled something in the character of that prophet so that Brother Branham at the end of his days would say this about his father. So he was not despising the chastening of his father. He realizes now, rather, it was the best thing. It was right. And Brother Branham says the outcome of letting a kid go his own way and be completely disrespectful of other people and of those in authority. It never comes out right. Approach to God, 1955, and I tell you, if I had more of that in the natural today, we'd have better children. God wants his household straightened out, so he gives you a little whipping so he can get straightened out, makes you love him more. My father used to give me whippings, and I thought, well, I wished I could call the old gray head father of mine back from the other lands today and respect every whipping he ever gave me. I thought so then, but I don't now because it corrected me. Though he didn't do right himself, yet he wanted me to do right. So he had the right motive. And he knew that short-term pain, pain is a long-term gain. My, there's a lot really we could talk about. But when it comes to the right kind of control, the Bible actually gives us a lot of insight and information about how we should exercise the right kind of control among our family. And listen, listen, one of the just understand this and if nothing else we we learn to obey God's word because it is God's word and God wants any household to be run a certain way just like he wants the church to be run a certain way we may not always agree it's not always easy but it's still God's way i think it's important for us to recognize too that we're not going to get our children really at 5 years old to understand forgiveness and repentance and respect like an adult would, or like an older teenager would. But we want to get there. And the way we get there is we start when they're young. We start when they're very young and putting boundaries in place that children cannot move. They cannot move with their tears, they cannot move with their words. They cannot move with their tantrums. When you as a parent put boundaries in place, the children cannot move. Then you're doing the right thing as hard as it is. And when your children begin to live the word of God without, without the restraint, now you're talking victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for, the principles that are found in the Word of God are just always so timely, so accurate. And Lord, we find perhaps in our own lives, and I look at my own life, and, and I see, Lord, many areas where maybe I have failed even to apply the Word of God in my own life. And Lord, I pray you forgive me for that. All parents, I think, would feel similarly, that we, in one way, would love to have years back. We'd love to have the time back. But Lord, rather let us set clear goals and let us move forward in faith and believe that you've chosen our family, you've woven it together, and you have brought us, Lord, into a place of peace. And Lord, may we live in such a way that the Holy Spirit's always welcome in our midst. Bless these families, Lord, that are listening tonight. And Lord, may we learn, may we learn to forgive, may we learn to respect one another, may we learn to express our love towards one another in the right way. And may we speak kindly one to another. Father, I, I I just commit the people and their needs into your hands, Lord. There are special needs among us, always are. And Lord, I, I just especially pray for those who are sick and those who are in the hospital needing a touch tonight. Lord, may you just draw near to them and give them your healing virtue, I pray. Bless the balance of our week, Lord, and guide us in your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Thank you for being here.